Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. Do you remember in the middle of the lockdown, in the worst days of the pandemic, we were reading out numbers every day. At some point between 9 and 12, we read out a bunch of helplines and contact numbers that you can get on to if you need assistance with anything from a bit of shopping to collecting a prescription to needing any kind of help at all from your community. I have a dreadful feeling that we'll be back doing that if not every day, then every couple of days, very, very soon. Just listen to that story Vic has there in the morning news about the community groups. And great to hear that they are ready and willing and able to get stuck in again because they did great work in the early part of the year. Just, I wouldn't like to have to be calling out those numbers again every day. But we'll do it if we have to. And certainly looking at the numbers now, the 14-day case number in Cork gone up again. Give you more of that later. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96. And the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. You could message us uh, there. And please mark your message for the attention of the opinion line when you're doing so. Remember the other morning we were talking to a very upset Kira from Three Degrees. We got a call at quarter past three this morning. It was actually one of the staff members got a text message off someone, but shortly afterwards, then the guards rang us and stuff. We got there for about half past three, I'd say, and it was just completely, like, gone. Is that your photograph? um, My sister's, yeah, yeah. How many people worked there? About 15 of us all together. Yeah, 15 girls, yeah. And we just got back up and running and, you know, everything... You know, was it going really well? And you know, we the salon has only done up about a year and a half, and it, you know, we love it. It's so beautiful and just gone now. But you know, hopefully, we'll get there in a few weeks' time. It's really rough and, going, though. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really sad. It is. You know, when you love what you do so much, and we love the salon, you know. That's Kira talking to me about three degrees in the hours after the fire. We've now learned in the last few days, get. Guy, they are appealing for witnesses to what is now an arson attack. It's believed that two people were involved in the attack, setting the Three Degrees Hair Salon on fire, which means it's gone from a fire tragedy to a criminal investigation. Uh, Kelly has also wants to step in to help the girls because not only had they to cope with the loss of their salon, 
but they've got to cope now with the fact that some scrote did that to them for whatever reason. Uh, and they've got to try and put it all back together and get themselves going again. Everyone was piling in Thursday, Friday from other salons to say they can use our chairs, you can use our equipment, you can use all that. Kelly, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? Good. You set up a GoFundMe good. for them. I did, myself and my friend Neil. We are really good friends with the girls. We um, used to do make with them from time to time. So um, when we heard about the news, we're absolutely devastated for them. Like So we set up a GoFundMe page just to help them out in any way that's possible and show them that everyone is behind them and supporting them and, you know, are there for them and care for them. The support, that, the support they were getting from the local community last week when we were talking about the fire initially was fantastic to see. Yeah, amazing. They're, and even um, the messages they're getting, they're getting so many people are behind them, you know, showing their support for them. Where can people help with the GoFundMe if they need to, if they want to? So if they search in GoFundMe um, and just type in support three degrees, um, they can find it that way. But it's also on my Instagram page and Neve O'Leary's Instagram page. The link is in the bio. Okay. Okay. Do you know how much they need? I don't know how much they need, but we started the fund up at 5,000 because, you know, during COVID, you know, times are tough and we know that. So we started small because anything helps them, but it reached 5,000 in one day. So it's actually, I checked this morning, that's 7,000. Um, so this, like, they're, they're getting so much support behind them, but they're such kind, generous girls. They're always giving back, like, all through their years of having their son and um, they've been giving back. Even during COVID, when they were closed, um, I set up, uh, I wanted to help like a frontline worker yeah. and they were the first people that got onto me and, you know, wanted to get involved, wanted to help somebody. So they got so many businesses on board and it turned out to be something so small that grew so big. So they're always, always giving back. I know that in the hours just after the fire, the, the morning, people were saying they can use our salon. They can, mm-hmm. I think the, the, the girls from Charisma were on saying they can use their yeah. salon when they're closed. So are they back at work yet or are they able, able to go back to work in the next couple of days or what? I, I don't know. I think they're just in a complete state of shock. Yeah. I don't even think they're processing anything at the moment. So, like, there are so many offers for them, you know, that they can go to their place, they can rent this place, they can, you know, start anywhere. But I think they're, they're, they haven't processed anything. They're in a complete state of shock. Like, they're, yeah. they're not eating, they're not sleeping. Oh, no. So I think they're, they're just so overwhelmed at the moment. And that you know nothing... what, Kelly? It must have been a hundred times worse for them then to yeah. find out that this was deliberate. Yeah, and I think that's like really playing on them this week that they don't even know why, they don't know where it came from, whereas if they had an answer or like a motive, anything behind it, that they would be able to deal with it, process it and like hopefully move on quicker, whereas when they don't know anything, they're in limbo land. They just feel like they were deliberately targeted and they don't know why. Yeah, and like they're three like really respected girls. They're absolutely loved. Their staff, their staff are absolutely amazing. Like you couldn't find a nicer bunch of girls. Like they would do anything for anyone. It's like a big family. Like when you go in there, you're just completely you feel at home straight away. Okay. Well, if anybody can help and wants to help with the GoFundMe, they can do that. I just read through what the guards are saying about the investigation. Kelly, thank you very much, and uh, please give them all our regards. We're thinking of them. It's been a very very rough time. Imagine waking up to find that your business has been damaged by fire in the early hours of the morning, only to then discover later that it had been arson. I gather you're treating it as a suspected arson incident. They're appealing for witnesses. They want to speak to anyone who was in the area of the old Mallow Road stroke Dublin Hill between 2.15 and 3 a.m. last Friday. 
and who might have seen anything to come forward, particularly road users, uh, taxi drivers, who may have dash cam of the area, dash cam footage, to make that available. Anybody with any information should contact the Gardaí at Mayfield Garda Station. And invariably, people are afraid to present themselves to the guards or afraid to ring a specific Garda station in a situation like this. You can ring the guards in confidence, one 800 1111 1-800-666-111. That is their, their tip-off line. We've had a few comments coming in and a few emails coming in about places like the Glen Eagle Hotel in Killarney and, and others. We're going to get to those in the course of the morning. Also, uh, pubs are coming in for the focus again. There's a professor now says that the pubs should not have been opened and indeed should be closed again. But, but if the numbers are worrying, I just want to go through them again for you. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to be getting to reading out these daily helpline numbers again. Uh, but if we have to, we will. But now, on yesterday's 34 cases announced in Cork, we now have a 14-day incidence in Cork of 39 cases. 39 uh, per 100,000. 39 cases per 100,000 is now our figure. Yesterday, it was only 28 per 100,000. That is worrying. So we're up to 49 per 100,000. That's our new fortnightly figure as of now. It's not looking good at all. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Every day washing and drying. Done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 On Quartz 96 FM. Dan is on again. Is it the same Dan is on about the alcohol and the off licenses? I saw that report this morning where they said that only 27 or something percent of alcohol sold in Northern Ireland is sold in pubs. The rest of it, are, yeah, the rest of it is in off licenses and consumed in homes. Dan has been on at us for a while about closing the off licenses as if it was some kind of a cure for the COVID. There's a, a hundred reasons not to, as well as any reasons to do so, Dan. But if anyone would like to get in on that one, you can do so at 1850-715-996. Now, outside of COVID and outside of anything related to COVID... How have you been doing lately if you wanted to get on to your GP for something regular, shall we say? We've been told since the very start of this, any GP we've had on, John Sheehan, Nick Flynn, any other GP we've had on, they've all said, look, we are open, we are taking calls, we are dealing with patients on things other than corona. And please don't hesitate to contact your doctor for something other than corona. We are not completely overrun with the Rona. That's what the doctors are saying. Joanna, what have you experienced, though? Good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. What's been happening? Right. I have an 82-year-old mother who is a diabetic and has dementia. And we rang our GP yesterday to speak to the doctor on can we change a cream for her leg? We were told that unless it's COVID-related, the doctor can't speak to us and the only appointment that he has available for us is Friday. They didn't even ring you back? No, no. Didn't even take my name or who I was calling for. Without naming anybody... So you called your local doctor, as you normally would, your mum's doctor. Yes. She's 82, has diabetes and dementia. She's got badly swollen feet, which you have to be careful of when the diabetic. And the receptionist said the doctor can't talk to you unless it's COVID. Unless it's COVID related. If it's urgent or if it's an emergency, ring, obviously, the ambulance or the hospital or something. But if it's urgent, we can only give you an appointment for Friday. Friday. Friday, yeah. And that was Tuesday now, PJ, you called? Yeah, my mum is only out of the hospital three weeks. She was in with a respiratory infection. Yeah. And we have been told, under no circumstances, are we to give her any over-the-counter medication unless we contact her doctor. Yeah, yeah. You have to be very careful with diabetes yeah. anyway. And she's probably yeah. on... Is she on, is she on meds for the... For she the, is. the, the, the um, Yes. The dementia, she is, she is yes. Yeah. So you've had to be careful what you give her, like. Exactly, so, exactly. Did the receptionist also say go South Dock? Oh, no, told me to ring South Dock. If, I, if, I, if it was that bad, ring South Dock after 6pm. Did, did you? I did ring South Dock last night, but they, uh, they were looking for medical cards and I didn't have my mum's medical card at the time and... Between the jigs and the roll, I didn't need them because my mum stayed in bed all day yesterday with her legs elevated and the swelling in her feet came down. Well, that's good. Now, yeah, so we said we'll give it till the day and we'll see how we get on today. So in the end, we didn't need South Dock. But PJ, I, what, like, I know it's my mum. My mum has family around her to look after. Now, I was fuming yesterday. I was absolutely fuming yesterday. But when I started to calm down, what about all the other elderly people that are out there yeah. that are sick? They have to wait for an appointment for Friday, four days later, to contact me, contact, to get an appointment with the doctor. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Because since the very start of this, the doctors, any doctor I've had on anyway, has yeah. said, look, we are seeing patients. Yeah. We are. It might be over the telephone. We might ask you a few questions over the telephone. I suppose yeah. in your case, it's you they talk to rather than your mum if she has dementia. How, I mean, is she is she with it, Joanna? Like she knows who we are. Okay, but she doesn't realise that I'm her daughter. Ah, that's sad. Do you get me? My I do. my brother looks after her all the time. He's our guardian angel. We'd be lost without him. Yeah, yeah. But the rest of the family are all there. They're all there to, to give him a hand. I, I said, but PJ, it's just heartbreaking to see how she's been treated. Yeah. It's ter- it's absolutely heartbreaking. And look, in fairness, keeping the legs up and and all yeah. of that, and and her having her stay in the bed with the legs up, yeah. that, that that helps. But you you'd still be fierce worried, you know, wouldn't you? Of course you would. That's amazing. Are we doing the right thing? You know, even like, even a doctor on the phone for a couple of minutes to answer a few questions would help, wouldn't it? PJ, all we needed to know, we were putting a cream on her legs. We felt that the cream was too severe for her legs. All we wanted to know, is there another cream that we could put on our legs? I know. That's all we wanted to know. I know. And we couldn't even get that answer yesterday. Oh, that's crazy. 
That's yeah. that's that's mad. That's I, I like. I thought it was my own doctor that it was just our doctor that was doing this. But seeing me, I'm not the only one. Yeah. When I, I I went on a rage yesterday, I was absolutely fuming, and then people were saying, "Sure, our doctor did this, and our doctor did that, and our doctor's doing this, and our do-. it's all over the place." Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely mental. And I feel so sorry for the old people that have chest infections, that have something seriously wrong with them, and they can't get a hold of a doctor. They have to wait three days later for a doctor to ring them back. Yeah. I think it's absolutely crazy. Something seriously wrong, like. It's a disgrace. I know that South Dock are also pretty much overrun because of that. Yeah, and I was afraid that if I rang South Dock yesterday, they'd have told me to ring, get my mother send her into accident emergency because there is not a prayer would she have gone into a hospital yesterday. I wouldn't send her into a hospital yesterday. Yeah, and of course, not, hope. not only not only that, but with the diabetes, yeah. she's also got to be protected, double protected exactly. from the COVID. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, was, I, I, I tell you now, Peter, I was actually fuming yesterday. I... I like, I was ready to go down outside the doctor's surgery yesterday and stand on where he suddenly came out to say something. I was that bad yesterday. Mm-hmm. I can't down in and I just think it's terrible the way people are being treated by the doctors at the moment. Yeah. We, yeah. we appreciate that at the, at the start of this, when, oh, when, yeah. when we were locked down and genuinely the services were close to being overrun, yeah. Then you know there was a delay for other stuff, but that we thought that was all sorted out, didn't we? Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was all sorted out. I thought I'd have no hassle ringing the doctor yesterday, and for him to give me a ring back, I wasn't even expecting to talk to him. But there and then, I was expecting a phone call back that day. But when the girl came on the phone and said, "Unless it's COVID related, he can't talk to you," uh, the earliest appointment is Friday. I lost it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joanna. Listen, I'm going to leave it there. What's your mum's Thank you. name? Kitty. Kitty. Well, we'll be thinking of Kitty. And, Thank and you hopefully very much, she'll Peter. be okay. All right. You mind yourself. That's Joanna. 1850 715 996. And look, they did the right thing. They elevated the legs and she's relaxed, whatever. But can you imagine? 82, diabetic, with dementia, not exactly sure what's going on around you. Not even sure that these wonderful people around you are your own children. And, and then someone's ringing the doctor. The doctor can't even phone you back to talk to your kids and answer a few questions. That, that, I'm sorry, that doesn't compute in my mind at all. 1850-715-996. I spent nearly the full day trying to get through to my doctor to get a prescription. He was supposed to get back to us and never did. Same do- doctor I've had for years. It's so difficult to get a reply from them. My daughter is going to get a new doctor now. Morris says the doctor might know nothing about it. The secretary could be the one making these decisions. He's had a similar experience and went to meet the doctor in person. That's a good point. Morris, and, and a worthy one, because sometimes the receptionists are making decisions on behalf of the doctor, which isn't always the right thing to do either. Collis says, my man was in hospital for months with very serious problems. We won't list them because they're serious and whatever, we wouldn't want to identify your mom anyway. All the specialists are asking for the GP to take blood and get reports sent. If the samples are poor, she's to have her treatment changed. We got one appointment fast enough on discharge. Now the GP won't take her next bloods until the 23rd of October. The consultant is very concerned over this. Ideally, it should be within a week of the first set of bloods. I've tried changing GPs, but even the ones willing to take her 
have advised it wouldn't be advisable because they would need to familiarise themselves with her to know properly whether she was showing any signs of anything dangerous outside of her blood tests. The answer is if they think it's that important, they can organise it themselves or request it by letter advising why. So the consultant wants her bloods taken frequently and the GP did one set and now says do the next set uh, before the jazz weekend which is the 23rd of October, which is a, wi- a month today. Yeah, a month today is the next set of bloods, when they want frequent bloods. What is going on here? Call us just listening to that particular lady, to Joanna. I was actually out to see my daughter-in-law yesterday, she says. She isn't well. Said the doctor was on holidays and he had a locum on. The daughter-in-law got to speak to the locum, but then had to pay by credit card over the phone before the conversation even happened. Is this what's happening now? Caller was listening to Joanna. The only cream you can put on the swollen legs is coconut oil, unless she had cellulitis or something like that. Well, you can see how nervous they are, Caller, because they've been told, don't put anything on that you get over the counter. This is not medical advice. They've been told not to put anything on their legs without or on her legs or on and give her and without medical advice. And she's trying to get the medical advice, and she can't without seeing or talking to the doctor. So that's the dilemma in which they find themselves. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln-dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the Hit Mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. <laughs> Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. We've had a note from the Cork County Motor Tax Office. This is completely separate to what we're actually talking about at the moment, but if I don't do it now, I'll forget it. Uh, due to an electrical issue... Both the postal and the counter service will be closed all day today, Wednesday, September 23rd. Queries can be made by calling 021 and applications can be made online at motortax.ie. The County Council apologises for any inconvenience. All right. We got a, a couple of emails, medical related and doctor related and COVID related and non COVID related. Here's one that I've got for you. Uh, this is sent. We've, we've, we've sent an email to the bonds requesting a response on this. I'm contact. Uh, I was on the phone to my consultant's secretary this morning to arrange a day admission for next week to the bonds. She politely informed me I would need a COVID test. I was expecting this. However, what I wasn't expecting was the €100 charge. I asked, how could this be as the test is free? Myself, my husband and our daughter have all had to undergo tests and we haven't been charged. She was very apologetic but explained this was the bond's policy, not the consultant's. 
the bonds will only accept test results done by their staff at their hospital and they're charging €100 Euro for the privilege. I can't go in for my procedure without the test and have no option but to pay. It's despicable. I contacted my health insurance provider, VHI, and they confirmed the bonds group have not entered an agreement with them regarding this. Other private hospitals have done so. I'm absolutely disgusted that private hospitals are exploiting their patients in this manner during an unprecedented global pandemic. I'd appreciate if you could look into it, but I'd like to keep my name voted as if some proceedings or procedures coming up in the coming months. If I had an alternative solution, I would. I really don't want to be part of it. Can you out? We did send them an email just to ask the bond secures policy on COVID testing and why there is no arrangement with the health insurers. We've been hearing this for a while, though, that anyone going into the bonds has to have a COVID test, which is grand. It keeps the COVID out of the bonds, as it were, so that it doesn't get in there in a routine patient. And that's good. There's nothing to be sniffed at there. But it's charging 100 quid for it when we're told the test is free. If you go to your doctor, the doctor's consultation for the test is free. The test itself is free. The bonds are charging 100 quid. Okay, they may have their own private system and their own private facility. That's fine. So they're charging for it. But then the VHI isn't able to cover it because they've not entered a deal with the VHI. So we've asked a few questions about that and we will see what comes back. Has anyone else come across it, though? The private hospital, A lot of the private hospitals are insisting that you have a COVID test before you go in there. Some of them are doing them on the, on the premises. But... The charge is sometimes covered by insurance and sometimes not. You'd think it should be, wouldn't you? Come back to doctors and waiting times and whether they see you or not. We've had a few good responses, including one from a GP, which I'll read out in a while. And there's a few more responses coming in to do with the likes of the thing they're doing in the bonds where you have to have a private COVID test and pay for it. And there's one or two responses to that. So that's all. First of all, and also uh, the Glen Eagles, we put a picture up on our Twitter of an event that took place recently at the Glen Eagles and we're asking questions as to whether that's, is that okay? Glen Eagles say it is. And we'll get to all that uh, later on in the morning. But first of all, there's a piece in the Irish Times today that says that screen time, oh yeah, screen time is now linked to rising mental health issues in our children. And if you take the 10-year-olds of today, shall we say, they're spending an awful lot more time on their screens than the 20-year-olds did when they were 10, if you know what I mean. The more, the more, there's more screen use in younger kids now than there ever was. And it's not just Netflix and it's not just YouTube, it's all other kind of screen time. This study was carried out by a couple of sociologists at Trinity College and it looked at two different groups of children and compared. So they looked at the experience of nine-year-olds in 2008 versus nine-year-olds in 2018. And they looked at the differences between the two and they found that there were significant differences between the two. And they also warned that spending more than three hours a day on either digital devices or uh, watching TV is detrimental to your mental health. Let's go to Catherine Hallisey, our regular go-to on child psychology. Catherine, good morning to you. Good morning, TJ. Good to talk to you again. It's an interesting study where they compared two groups, like for like, 10 years apart. First of all, the amount of screen time has gone way up. 
You know, I love this study. This has come up out of the Growing Up in Ireland study, and it's a really, really big study that looks at children 10 years apart. So it leads to lots of interesting research like this. And I suppose the big thing that has changed is children were always having, some children were always having a lot of screen time, but it was TV. And now it has just switched over into much more streaming style, TV, media, listening to music, watching YouTube, that kind of thing. Am I reading it properly or does this study lump the two under the one phrase, screen time, i.e. watching TV and using social media, YouTube, whatever? Exactly, yeah. And that's the way I like to think of any devices. I just think of any device as a screen. And what they did do, which was very interesting, was they broke it down into looking at kind of leisure type screen time and educational type screen time. And they found that there was no impact, either positive or negative, of using screen time for educational purposes. And that we probably could have guessed that. And But what they did find is the more passive viewing, the more passive consumption, um, it, you know, that has increased and that is linked to poorer outcomes. Mm. You know, so they were talking about impacting behaviour and impacting hyperactivity as two of the outcomes. Wow. So the, the present, if you like, the nine-year-olds of 2018 had more of those issues than the nine-year-olds of 2008. Yeah, and the other thing is uh, that I noticed as well is, and I guess we could have guessed it, uh, way, way, way more nine-year-olds have um, their own personal mobile phones yeah. than they did 10 years ago. To have it here, it's it was 61% in 2008 and a 78% in 2018. That's more than three quarters of nine-year-olds with their own mobile. Yeah, which is quite interesting, isn't it? I actually wouldn't have thought it was quite as high as that. Does you it know, disturb you? Well, <laughs> yes, it does. I think so too. It you know, disturbs me I, as well. I mean, I think it's really important and that we really analyse what this means. And I'm all for, um, you know, positive use of screen time. And actually, they talk about that in the study as well. You know, this isn't about demonising all screen time. It's looking at what it displaces. So one of the reasons why three hours of more screen time a day is detrimental is because it stops children moving. You know, that's one of the biggest things that's linked to positive psychological well-being, positive behaviour, reduction in hyperactivity. Like, we all need to move our bodies, but especially children, because it's one of the ways in which they process their feelings and experiences and their emotions. So if you're sitting passively watching a screen, then you're not moving your body. So instead of us really getting hit up about screen time and really focusing on the damage it's doing, what I'm advocating is that we put our attention on increasing green time, time spent outside in nature where you're naturally going to move your body. So these are the things that we know that are linked to positive mental health for children and adults. Walking, cycling, hitting, hitting a ball, running with the dog. Yeah, yeah, just just being outside. And like all the things that are linked to good mental health, you know, it's, it's all the basics. Like it's sleep, nutrition, hobbies, huge one, biggest one of all, connection, strong connection with their primary carer. Mm. You know, whether that's parents or grandparents, foster parents like that, strong connection with a significant adult. That's actually the biggest protective factor. Do you know the, the thing that comes to me though, Catherine, as a but come here to me question, is that 
the the parents of the nine-year-olds of 2018 are a lot busier and their lives are a lot crazier, if you want to better that word, than the ones in 2009. And I think that's why it's really, really important that we don't focus on demonising things. Instead, if we can step away from this problem focus, you know, the thing that grabs all of our attention is, oh, screen time leads to poor mental health. Mm. It doesn't really grab our attention when, you know, we hear green time leads to good mental health. You know, it, it, when if anything to do with fear grabs our attention more. And yes, it's so important that we talk about parents are really busy and parents, you know, tend to have less support now than they did in the past. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why children are having devices more. You know, the digital babysitter, everybody does it. Mm. But it's um, what we do know is that green time can actually offset that. Yeah. Well, and even on the green time, Catherine, it was also safer in 2009 to let our 2008 to let a nine-year-old out on the green to kick a ball on their own. It was a lot safer then than it is now, or at least people perceive it to be. Yeah, that's your second point there. That's exactly it. So um, to the best of my knowledge, it's actually not any more dangerous now, but it's our perception of danger yeah. because we are news media saturated and again, it's that fear-driven headline that really hits all of us, just like screen time leading to poor mental health. Anytime we hear anything that happens to a child, I think it really impacts all of us and it leaves a mark on us as parents. And we are, our children are hyper-supervised except for when they're on screens. And this is where the issue is. So what happens is a parent feels, okay, my child is contained right now with the screen except it's actually one of, like, unsupervised screen use, unrestricted screen use is actually one of the most dangerous things for children because it's like giving them the keys to the world and God knows what they'll find. There's something you know, else as well, too, with regard to spending time on a, on a game, like a, like a PlayStation or an Xbox or something, in that, you know, nowadays you, you play the game with hundreds of other people online, which is a predator's dream to sneak into that space. Yeah, and this is very much where the unrestricted, unsupervised experience comes in because gaming in and of itself isn't actually linked to poor outcomes because you're more active than the passive viewing because yeah. like, there's a big trend to watch gamers online and that's very passive. So actively gaming, there are some things that are good about that. However, it's, again, the potential to be exposed to things that you certainly would not your children not want your children to be exposed to. So, you know, it's really, I think it's so important for parents to be really educated about this, you know, so that you make intentional decisions, not accidentally, because you're busy and harassed, like all of us parents are. Yeah, yeah. So really having to think about, you know, even trying to plan the screen time ahead. Like I know lots of parents would have specific times of which their children are allowed to use screens. Mm. And again, they're being very focused. And they might think, okay, when am I going to be busy now? Okay, I'm going to have the screen time there, but I'm going to make sure I have the parental controls on. You know, and obviously this has to change then with the child's age as well. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're going to be using screen time, just try and be as intentional as possible and then try and mitigate it with outside time, connection time, all of the things that we know that are good for all of our mental health. Mm-hmm. Let's come back to that figure that emerged from it that we both commented on earlier on, that 
three quarters, in fact, more than three quarters, 78% of nine-year-olds in 2018 had their own mobile phone. Mm. Are we giving them phones way too young, Catherine? Well, you know, I suppose I'd be wondering why they need it. And look, there were different types of phones as well. There were phones and then there were smartphones. Mm. So I think it's really important to say, okay, are you giving your child a pocket computer or are you just giving them a phone in which they can call you? So they're totally different things, first of all. You only have Um, to look at, well, we didn't have a communion season this year. But but if you look at the number of children, and we've done this on the programme before, who get an iPhone or or an Android smartphone for their Holy Communion. Mm, Yeah, and when you consider that the age they are and getting a very adult device, something that can lead them into an adult world, and people make choices. They, everybody wants to give their children the best. You know, we all want the best for our children. And sometimes we make choices that actually aren't really good for them, um, you know, regardless of how well-intentioned we are. And I, I do think this is one of them. You know, there are some nine-year-olds who can use a phone responsibly, but most can't. Most adults actually have difficulty managing their phones. And that's because there are people employed to make it that way. They're employed to make it highly addictive, highly engaging, highly stimulating. And the money is made by keeping you on the device. So there are people who are making an unbelievable amount of money by taking your attention. Like your attention is the most precious commodity out there now. Yes. So that is what it's designed to do. It's not free. You get the phone for your child, but you pay with a lack of attention. You pay then with some behaviour difficulties when you're trying to get your child away from it. You pay with the fact that they may not find your company at dinner quite as engaging. You know, so I feel that a phone can actually bring a lot of arguments into a house. You know, so, but the first step is actually for parents, myself included, to analyse our own screen time. So before we think too much about children's screen time, you know, um, we're our children's first teacher. So if we are modelling poor screen time use, then definitely our children will have that. I have to say, my phone, and I'm sure a lot of other phones do it now, at a particular given time in the week, it tells me how much time I looked at at my screen and what I was looking at. And you kind of go, oh dear, (laughs) oh God, need to cut myself on here. Yeah, and that's a really good example of it. It kind of happens accidentally. So it's those brief moments when you're feeling bored and, you know, adults and children, we find it hard to cope with boredom. We think, oh, I'll just check my phone just Mm. for a second. And then 10 minutes has gone. And we think, oh, you know, I don't have time to call that person now. I don't have time to make that connection, which will be good for me. I'll just check my phone because it's passive. Yeah, It's passive entertainment. And that's the thing that we really need to look out for. It's that insidious nature in which it creeps into our lives and displaces the things that are good for us. So this is adults and children alike. Kevin had a question on Twitter. He said, did they take into account that the nine-year-olds of 2018, this is on screen time in general, the nine-year-olds of 2018 lived through a decade of recession and the 2008 cohort lived through the boom years? I'm not excusing it, but was it taken into account Plus, technology has involved and become very affordable by 2018 as compared to 2008. 
Yeah, they didn't mention that, but what they did talk about is that the children, the, the 2018 10-year-olds were born after that, um, you know, the, that data point of which the iPhones were introduced. So when the iPhone was introduced, it led to just widespread smartphone use. It totally changed, so a lot of researchers would use that as a before and after point. So um, this cohort, the 2018 cohort, were born after the introduction of the iPhone. So they didn't specifically talk about recession, but um, I did read a study recently and they were talking about, you know, it's so important that we're not demonising screen time because during lockdown, it was oh. one of the ways in which people were able to connect. In fact, that acute ad, now some people don't like it, but and for the first 300 times we saw it, it was probably okay. That ad, I think it's for one of the networks of the lad talking to his granddad on a screen and he says, I think there's monsters under the bed. Now that's yeah. a very cute little ad, but the, it's it kind of... Like, um, that's more screen time. You know, um, even though there's no screen time recommended for under twos, there's an exception made for video calling because there is actually benefit to connecting with people. So again, keep bringing it back to, is there connection in this? So passive looking at gamers on YouTube, there is no connection there. Sitting down and watching a family movie, that's totally different. Yes. That's a shared experience. Yes. So really keep bringing it back to, is this a shared experience? And one of the issues about phones is that it's generally not a shared experience. It's a personal device. So you are watching it. So even if there's four people in the one room all looking at their own phones, it is not a shared experience. Yeah. Whereas if four people are watching even the same thing on TV, that's more shared. So it's less passive. Yeah. So it's um, not all screen time is created equal. So we need to look at both the quantity and the quality. And the quality. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like everything. You know, there's no point in saying, oh, screens are desperate. They're here. Yeah. We need to get with it, get ahead of it, make decisions that are right for us and our family. I'm not going to tell anybody, don't get your child a phone. I'm going to say, if you do, be really intentional about it. Be, really, really think very hard about what your children, what you want your children to be looking at. Yeah. Have parental controls, and also know that where's, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, you've got to keep getting ahead. There's okay. an analogy that's come into my head, Catherine, and it could be nonsense, but I'm sure you tell me if it is. I don't know a nine-year-old that doesn't like chips, yeah. but you wouldn't give a child chips three times a day. Exactly. You know, I like my um, part of me would love to be on devices all day long, but I would get nothing done. I could learn loads of amazing things, but knowledge without application is useless. So even if I am doing really, really high personal training for myself within psychology all day long on screens, so what use is it if I'm doing nothing productive with it? So it's the exact same with children. Of course, they can learn amazing things on there. Of course, they can develop great skills, but so can they in other ways. And they've got to be able to apply what they're learning. And most important, they've got to be able to move their bodies, you know, and they've got to be able to interact with one another. And I have a parenting membership and um, one of the parents was on there and was talking about teenagers and about, you know, as they're starting to break away and meeting friends and having less adult supervision. And this parent made a fantastic point and he said, I would much prefer them to be face-to-face -face learning the art of conversation, even if there is reduced adult supervision, than them on their devices 
communicating in that way where there's still no adult supervision. And I thought it was such an important point. You know, we really need to just think about, okay, how can I have an element of shared experience to this and think about, I suppose, balance in the skills that our children are developing? Okay, so they are using more screen time, but it's a question of how we help them to manage it and how we manage it for them. Catherine, thank you very much. As always, that's Catherine Hallisey, 1850-715-996. Actually, there's a, a documentary that I recommend everybody watch. It will frighten the bejesus out of you as a user of a smartphone or a tablet or a computer or anybody who even dips into any kind of social media for 20 seconds a day even. It's a thing called The Social Dilemma. It's really popular on Netflix at the moment. It's about an hour and a half and you would want to be awake. You wouldn't want to be dozing at all. But it's an awful lot of people who have left the social media game and are now commenting on just the insidiousness of how it takes us over, but not just how it takes us over, how it's designed to take us over. And you have to ask yourself a question, and I certainly did at least two or three times during the thing, and I love my social media, I use it probably too much, I suppose. If we were told 20 years ago what social media would become, would we have ever allowed it to happen? Watch that on Netflix. It's a good one. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. We're getting a bit of a reaction to that Glen Eagle photo that we've shared on Twitter. This is an event at the Glen Eagle in Killarney, which the Glen Eagle have said to us was conducted following all of the necessary guidelines and rules and regs and all of that. I'll come back to that in a little while. Also, we had contact from Monica. Monica contacted us on WhatsApp at 083 396 She's a GP and she was listening to Joanna, uh, what Joanna had to say about her experience trying to get a GP to see her mom, who's 80-something and has uh, diabetes and, and dementia and had badly swollen legs and all of that, and she couldn't get to see their own GP or even talk to their own GP until Friday. And she was upset about it, as you'd, as you'd imagine she would be. Uh, Monica says, I find it hard to believe that the GP will only speak to you except if it's COVID-related. I'm not speaking for all GPs, but for myself and the ones I know in Cork. We're doing everything uh, we can to see our patients and look after them. Even pregnant GPs that really shouldn't be seeing patients are seeing them physically. I'm exhausted every day. I get home late trying to do all I can to see my patients. I'm not looking for sympathy, but people should really stop bashing GPs. I'm sick of people saying that all you do is make phone calls. Well, I had reason to contact my own GP in the last couple of weeks. Minor, minor thing, but just needed to check something up. And I was very happy to receive a phone call back and a conversation which resulted in a prescription being sent. And I was quite happy with it. I don't need to see the GP. I just wanted to talk to them and it took a few hours, but hey, that's okay. And I was talking to another GP who has a very busy number of practices and they were saying that the number of phone calls they're taking in the course of a week has nearly quadrupled through all this and it's simply physically not possible to get back to everything or or to everybody, which I, I do understand and you have to you have to prioritise. Someone else said, why not get an appointment? Why not contact the local public health nurse and get them to visit? They do great service, which is not a bad idea. 
Not a bad idea. Just coming back to the TDs, whose salary is now going up to 98,000 and something. Yeah, 90, basic salary would be 98,000 a year. Just over 98,000 a year with a 2% public pay rise that they all get. When the public service get a pay rise, they get a pay rise. On top of that, they get about 30,000 in travel and accommodation expenses per year. They get a thing called a public representation allowance. That's for renting offices and for phone expenses and for making leaflets and printing leaflets and for hiring rooms for clinics and all that. That's about 20,000 a year. So that's 50 on top of the, the 98. So that's a 150,000 they're paid per year. Actually, speaking of the, the phone expenses and all that, there was a good piece in the paper yesterday, which I said I'd get to and I didn't. But there's loads of them who lost their seat at the last election or stepped down at the last election who haven't given back their iPads yet or their laptops or their computers. They're supposed to. They can either buy them off the Oireachtas for a reduced rate or they have to give them back. And a load of them have done neither. 1850 Some good news in the midst of it all from the Everyman. And we've been keeping contact with the Everyman throughout all of this. And they announced yesterday that they are coming back. They're bringing back a programme of live performance with a mix of rehearsed readings, comedy and music. And it's coming back under the title of Playing It By Ear. Sean Kelly is their CEO. Sean, good morning. Good morning, PJ. I'd say you're both excited and nervous at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's hard to believe it's really happening and that we've really got uh, tickets on sale, to be honest, after you know so, so many hard months and so many false starts and rules changing and having to go back and replan and everything. It's uh, it's amazing and very emotional to, to see that we're, we're actually uh, a real theatre again. Capacity is going to be greatly reduced, isn't it? Um, it is the cap on indoor gatherings is a hundred, so it will be reduced from six hundred and fifty to to a hundred. So um, it will still be, you know, it's going to be a great struggle for us. But um, just welcoming artists and audiences back into the theatre is a great joy for us as well. Now, explain how play it by ear is going to work. Um, well, it will be a series of rehearsed um, readings on the stage, and so. There'll be a hundred people in the auditorium, um, but we understand that with that reduced capacity, there'll probably be a lot of people who want to attend but won't be able to. So you can purchase a link, um, and you'll get an audio file just before the performance starts, emailed to you, so you can um, enjoy the performance at home, um, essentially like a radio play. And the reason we've gone for that really is. We kind of felt that there's a, people are spending a lot of time, um, a lot of screen time, as you've just been discussing earlier, and there is a lot of screen time, and people, I think, are maybe a bit zoomed out in their lives. So this is something where you don't have to stare at your device, and you don't have to be sitting right next to it. And it, there's also the fact that radio plays are a bit of a lost art, and we were keen to to do something a little bit different nice. and serve as many people as we can. So this this is what we arrived at and we're very excited about it and the, the artists who are working with us are also are really excited about it. So it's a bit new for everybody and hopefully it'll be new and exciting for our audiences as well. So will this cover stuff like the, the Jerry Fitzgibbon play, The Four-Faced Liar, The White-Headed Boy and will it cover, and I'm really excited to see him back again, will it cover Tom Crane? 
Um, yeah, well, Tom is um, Tom Crean is back with us now as well. So um, it's um, it's we're not certain that that's going to that, that it'll cover Tom, unfortunately. Right, but um, you will let people cover, know, obviously, what, what we'll what, what um, we'll cover. Yeah, yeah, it'll cover. It'll be very clear when you purchase your ticket, um, because you'll either be purchasing um, a ticket for uh, to be in the theatre or. Um, you'll you'll be purchasing a, a ticket to enjoy at home. So, um, say t- Tom Crean is a live performance um, yeah. at the theatre. So uh, you know, with an actor and things. So it probably it probably wouldn't work. You know, it, that would that has been written as a stage play. Um, so it's it's not going to work in the same way as that. But um, you for know, other stuff, Tom, it will. For other stuff, yeah. And, but it's a gr- you know, it's a great play, and it's something that's our audiences have loved now for almost 20 years. Well, so we I'm, really I'm looking forward to seeing it back. for the 12th time, I don't mind telling you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, there's some great that. stuff in there. There's, I mean, you've got, you've got uh, Magella Colour giving it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you've got uh, John O'Brien, Karen Underwood. Really, really an ambitious programme. And it'll, it really will be a case of playing it by air, will it, Sean, and see how it goes. Um, yeah, it will. I mean... It's, as you said, we're as nervous as, as we are excited. Um, you know, we've got fairly detailed plans in place for everything. Um, but already the response has been amazing. Um, I think we're well on, well on track to, to sell out our full allocation for, for everything um, long before we open. So um, it's going, it's gone amazingly well so far. And we're so grateful to the people of Cork for supporting us. The curveball question is that seeing as capacity is down, will ticket prices go up? Um, no, um, we've um, we've no plans uh, to make any dramatic increases like that, and we haven't we haven't done so at the moment. Um, I mean, one of our big motivations for opening was because we had a duty to to serve the people of Cork and give give back to the people, those our audiences who supported us over the years and who supported us during the lean months with their donations. So we haven't, you know, we want to, we want to give as much not to take um, right now. So um, we've no, we've no plans for any dramatic price increases at the moment. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, the best of luck with everything. And I hope to be in to see the uh, people in the Everyman very, very soon. I know it's been a very hard few months for you and welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you, Peter. Cheers. That's Sean Kelly, CEO of the Everyman 1850. 715-996. It's just some of the stuff will be on the audio link, the play it by ear audio link. And I'm sure we can keep an eye on what's on it for you here on the opinion line and let you know. It's uh, The White-Headed Boy is a comedy by Lennox Robertson. That'll be on. There's uh, The Four-Faced Liar, Ger Fitzgibbon's play, The Seafarer by Conor McPherson, and a lot of other stuff. Just exciting and nervous time ahead for everybody at the Everyman and everybody in theatre world trying to get back to some semblance of normal. 1850-715-996. Here's another one of these ones has come out of uh, the comments section this morning. What the government don't tell you is, of all the poor people, if they all rest in peace, who... They've said have died of COVID so far in Ireland. How many of them actually died from covid and not with COVID. There was some doctor on Today FM yesterday morning who confirmed that only nine of the 1,800 who died in Ireland actually died from COVID. The government don't tell you this, sir, but how many people have recovered from COVID as people may then think it's not as bad as it really is and do what they want. 
You don't have to read this out if you don't want to. Stay safe, everyone. I am reading it out because it's a nonsense argument. We've been through it. It's one column in a very large graph. There is a yes, the number of people who actually die of COVID and nothing else is mercifully small. But that doesn't mean that getting COVID can't hasten your demise if you have something else. So loads of people who had something else going on, bad health in general, who got COVID, they died. If they hadn't got COVID, their health might be crap, but they'd still be alive. An awful lot of them. So in my mind, my friend, they matter to me every bit as much. Every bit as much. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying. Done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie Mike the Ginger Farmer, spell Samurai. Oh, lady, serious. Samurai. S-A-M-O-R-I-S. He spelled Samurai the way a farmer would say it. Are you a Samurai? Samurai. I even know awful goes to Samurai. You need to put that title roll in the in the freezer. People like you, I'm revealed by the English. You were staring at the sunset going, does it go down or do we go up? Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96 FM. Started watching each other very, very closely in all the regulations to see who's breaking them and who's keeping them and all that. And it's resulted in some emails to the programme, which we welcome at opinion at 96mm.ie. But this email says, I was staying in the hotel over the weekend, in the Den Eagles Hotel over the weekend, and this was on. A picture of a very busy-looking event. Uh, Gina and the champions were playing. There were no tickets. Anyone could just walk in. We were just walking back from dinner in the hotel, and we saw it. There must have been hundreds there. Wondering would we look into it and see should that actually have been going ahead. Deirdre, you have been checking it out with the hotel. We know that Glen Eagles, it's a huge place with huge capacity, but in these times it, it is limited. Yeah, it is of course. So people, everybody in Cork will be familiar with the INEC. I think most people will have been there for something. It's huge. Um, the hotel said to us, we are adhering to the guidelines for controlled environments as outlined in the Falsh Ireland guidelines for hotels, which states that pubs, cafes and restaurants, including hotel restaurants and bars can open with protective measures in place. Maximum numbers within the premises are linked to the capacity of the premises taking appropriate physical distancing into account. We have opened our largest venue, the INEC as a residence lounge and restaurant to ensure our guests have ample space to social distance themselves from other guests while staying with us. The ground floor of the auditorium spans 1,400 metres squared. Normally the INEC can accommodate 4,142 people standing and 2,142 at a fully seated event and is only open for large concerts and conferences. To ensure the safety of our guests and staff we have adopted the following measures. Entertainment is provided for residents only. Tables of 2, 4 and 6 are situated in defined spaces 2 metres apart and are sanitised before and after use. Tables and chairs cannot 
cannot be moved by guests. Residents must remain at their allocated table. Table service is mandatory and food is served throughout the evening. Dancing is not permitted and all guests must remain with their family groups at their allocated table. Staff are present at all times to ensure social, social distancing measures are adhered to. Details for contact tracing are taken upon entry to the hotel and again upon entering the INEC. All bars are closed at 11pm sharp and guests must vacate the space by 11.30pm. Um, so that's the statement from the hotel. We've had a few people on to us who were there um, over the weekend right. and Anne who was there says I was there for the weekend. They did brilliant with the social distance. No dancing and table service. It was great to have some sort of normality for two hours. Thank, thanks to the staff from the Glen Eagle from the great work. Um, another person who Michelle said her family were there for the weekend. Everyone was seated separately. No dancing allowed. She says there could very well have been hundreds at it as our original emailer said but they were all safely seated. Um, Simon on the other hand is a lecturer in UCC. He says we're not allowed to have more than 50 students in any lecture room in UCC next week and frequently that number is less depending on the size of the room. How are they allowed to have so many indoors? I guess when you look at the size of that room, yeah, I mean, huge. it is enormous. Yeah, it really is. And looking at the picture, um, you know, people are socially distanced. There are, like, there are a lot of people there, but they are distanced. They are all sitting. Um, there is live music taking place, which I think there's a bit of fuzz at the moment about whether that's allowed or not. Um, <laughs> there isn't, the there, anyway. there isn't, there isn't. You've mm. got to watch. We were looking into this, uh, myself and, and Fergal, and I was asking a few other people they know in the industry. You're, you're not... Permit forbidden to have live music. For example, the South County recently and Douglas Rock recently brought back some trad music on a Wednesday mm. night. But you've got to be kept keep them distanced from the crowd. The volume is to be kept low. Yeah, you won't have your usual loud volume, and they've got to be well distanced from the crowd. And in the case of say someone like Gina and the Champions, they had their volume way way down, mm. and with no dancing allowed. It, it is a grey area, but yeah. I think a lot of places too, which is clever. A lot of places are ringing their solicitor. Yeah, and handing them the, the guidelines and saying, "Can we do what this? Can we do, yeah." Do and know? looking at the stage here, like the stage is really distant in this situation. The stage from in the NIC is anyway. miles it's away. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's miles, miles away. away from anybody. So, like, I suppose the question I I put to people on Facebook was, you know, I I don't necessarily think I don't think they're breaking any regulations. You know, as I said, they, I mean, a, a, an outfit like the Glen Eagle and the INEC are very professional. They're very responsible. Yeah. Personally, I wouldn't be comfortable in that room because there are so many people. Isn't that the thing, Dee? Like, the and this is what they've been saying to us for a couple of weeks now. Personal responsibility. They've all been saying it to us. Look, if you see an event and there's people at it, no matter what the regulations are, there's no one dragging you in and tying you to a chair. If you don't want to go, don't go. But if the regulations are being followed and your mate wants to go... Let them go. Yeah. And that's it. Like our listener thought it was just off the wall. She was like, no way would I go in there. But there's other people who have been in touch with us who said, look, I went and it was fine. And I enjoyed myself. And, you know, um, I suppose it is up to personal choice. Um, A lot of people on our Facebook and Twitter really, really horrified about it. And then an awful lot of other people saying, well, look, if people want to go, that's their own choice. And they are obeying all the regulations. And, you know, it is a bit of normality for people. So I'd I'd like to know what people think if they are. The picture is up on our Twitter and it's up on my D-Shocks Facebook page as well. All right. okay, thanks. Thanks for that, D. So some some more of the the comments that, that have come in. Kevin said, I thought there were limits to numbers indoors. The worst of this is the people, one, the people and two, their ages have a gander. There's no spring chickens there. Uh, they'll have travelled from all over, so tracing is almost impossible without the app. But yeah, let's have the off-licenses in the house party. Well, I see where you're going, Kevin. Um, but 
and I know this from talking to people in the industry, various elements, they're checking with their solicitors, they're paying their solicitors to look at the guidelines and see what exactly they're able to do. And if the INEC and if the Glen Eagles have, and it's a bloody huge, you have no idea how big it is until you're actually in there. If this is being done within the guidelines, then if you don't have to, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. Stephen, Neve says, remember the days when you told on someone at school and you'd be called a telltale tattler? I can't wait on those days to come back where you minded your own business. Stephen says, it's not about minding your own business, is it? Let's say someone has the virus and spreads it in that setting. People then return home and spread it in their local population, including unsuspecting strangers in shops. Very much minding other business then, isn't it? Philip says, imagine being one of the thousands of couples who either postponed their wedding or made the horrible decision to cut their numbers down to 50, which probably led to family feuds or falling out with friends. Then look at this complete disregard to restrictions. Well, we can't say that, Philip, because we assume that the Glen Eagles got legal advice on this. Hang on a minute. We're not allowed. That's Simon. D read that one out. Uh, there's no lecture theatre in UCC, anything like as big as the INAC. For example, if you look at where the doll sits at the moment in, in that convention centre, they're able to put all those people in there because they've all spread out. Goodness, is this wise? Surely it's not. Surely there's a maximum number at any gathering. Whether they're distance or not, well, you know, there's a lot of people in that room. Michael, my family were there for the weekend. Everybody was seated separately and there was no dancing allowed. There might have been hundreds, but they were all safe. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. We've had a very big response to that picture. Uh, the INEC say they're acting within the guidelines, and if they're doing that, they're okay. And if you want to go, you can go. And if you don't want to go, then you shouldn't go. 1850-715-996. I was at Glen Eagles for the High Kings, says Linda. Very well organized. Great credit due to them. You'll remember when, in the very early days of the pandemic, when it looked like it might spiral out of control, the, the government or the HSE or whomever took over the City West, that massive hotel complex outside Dublin, and they turned it into a field hospital and an isolation base. And the army moved in and kitted out 300 hospital beds. And they had a huge floor spread out and turned out it never got used for that particular purpose. And it's being decommissioned, and the arrangement comes to an end in the middle of October. But do you remember we also said, wouldn't it be great if they had used all of this extra space that they paid huge money for 
to cut waiting lists for other things not COVID related. Well, they're doing that right now with allergies, childhood allergies. Professor Jonathan Howrahan is uh, the paediatrician in the Children's Hospital at Temple Street and, of course, formerly of COH. Professor, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. That's what you're doing, isn't it, at the moment in City West? You're cutting the waiting list for allergy treatment or allergy allergy tests. That's right. Uh, currently, we've got 10 patients here this morning. Nine of them are from Cork uh, who come up from the CUH waiting list and the other child is off the, uh, the Dublin waiting list. But we're trying to address the issue of children who've been to clinic, they've had reactions, their families of doctors have referred them, they've been seen in the clinic and the, the test that they need to have to see if their allergy is gone or persisting is a food challenge and that normally takes uh, a day in a hospital bed in CUH or in one of the Dublin hospitals and you know access to those beds is very difficult and slow so we would sometimes in Cork for instance when I was there we would probably only get three or four done in a week and um, in the last two weeks now we've done more than 150 here so wow. we're making a big dent in the waiting list and the feedback from families and, and from the staff has been fantastic like, and like you what, say what, what we should be using it in some other way how long, well, is, how long does it take to, to get a place normally? Uh, there are some children who've been here recently and are coming who've been waiting four years four So that, years. that breaches every HSE waiting list uh, guideline so Obviously, when we volunteered or started to scope this out, the HSC, you know, we were pushing an open door, I think. So we were delighted with the support and the responses that we've had. That's magnificent. So you'll have it until when, Jonathan? Until the middle of October. Now, that was because, as you said, uh, it was to be decommissioned. But uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's confirmed yet, but there's rumours that it's going to be maintained over the winter in case the surge that we're having now, um, as you said, becomes you know huge. Uh, the facility has to be seen to be believed. It's just phenomenal. And yeah. We're only using a tiny part of it. Is it the auditorium which is enormous? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. So what, around all these beds up above us, there's um, theatre seats, if you like, so it's a little bit odd. But uh, if you're focusing on the patients and the care we're giving, it, it doesn't matter where we are, the, things are going really well. Magnificent. And we, we talked about this during the summer with all of the additional capacity that was put in place to, to avoid the situation getting out of control. Thankfully, because we did our job and we managed to flatten the curve, as it were, we didn't need a lot of that space. Wouldn't it be great to be using it now for, for brilliant ideas like this? It's a great facility to have for when the public response didn't work but you know the public's response to COVID saved us having to use it so that's fantastic and now if we can use this resource while it's available uh, that's fantastic too so it's a, a win for everybody involved. Do, do you know if, if your, your colleagues and your various organisations are already asking the Minister for Health can we hold on to it please? Uh, I think it, it's probably going to be kept in case there is a COVID surge and I think if it's, if it's kept and not used like it is at the moment. There's been at one medical team has been out here talking to us this morning about using it for a similar venture for another hospital. So I think once people have seen how we've used it, the possibility for others to use it before it gets taken down yeah. is, is there. Yeah, there's probably lots of other things it could be used for. Lots. We could have uh, orthopaedic clinics. There could, you could have an operating theatre in a container lorry outside. You could have outpatient clinics. You could have infusion uh, clinics. It, there's lots of different ways. People just have to think literally outside their own hospital walls. Right. So you actually could bring in small operating theatres. Well, and that, 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 that's, 
that's been discussed, that uh, there are such things as mobile operating theatres. I don't know if there are any in the country, but uh, it's not impossible to imagine that could be done. Wow. Oh, the, the, the longer they can hold on to that, Professor, the better, I would have said. I think we're going to be keeping it, but uh, using it while it's here is key. And I think if any, any medical group has a good idea, I think the HSE will be listening to them. Okay, that's great. Listen, good to hear it, and and it'll be great, great relief, I think, for the many very worried parents of young people with allergies in Cork that you're clearing the waiting list so quickly. Thank you very much. They're they're all delighted, and we're very happy to be doing this. It's terrific. Great, that is really really good news, Professor Jonathan Howrahan from Children's Hospital Temple Street, and of course formerly of CUH. Now that is getting it right. I, we we're happy to call out, and we do call out where they're making a hames of things. But that's a brilliant idea. That's just a brilliant idea. They put this massive facility into City West. They never actually used it for COVID because they didn't need to use it for COVID. But now they're using it to clear the backlog of children waiting on allergy tests. They could use it for any other kind of thing. That's great. That's great. And, and cataract operations put in a small mobile operating theatre. They must be there. They've got to be at least one in the country, surely, or we could build one. The army could build one in a couple of proper containers. That's a fabulous idea. 1850-715-996. Deirdre says, uh, well said, PJ, sick to the teeth of the minority who refuse to listen to the advice of experts. Uh, Good hygiene etiquette. We have to make choices, especially for those who cannot make them for themselves. Killian says this idea of dying with COVID rather than from COVID is the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard. If someone with diabetes gets shot, do these people so believe the person shot died because of their diabetes and not the gunshot? They would not have died if they were not shot. Common sense must be very expensive these days. In actual fact, yeah, my, my, my buddy Owen also texted and said that's like saying the people in 9-11 died because they had underlying conditions and not because a plane went into the building. On the TD's pay, Caroline on WhatsApp says, in relation to cutting COVID payments and how detached our politicians are with their huge incomes, I'm a preschool teacher working under ECCE scheme. I sign on for the summer months and I get €159. When I got in touch with Miss Humphreys, that's the minister, she told me this lower payment was in order to deter those on lower earnings from staying in unemployment earnings. Oh, yeah. Stay on unemployment. Your earnings must be over 300 to qualify for the full dole. Where do you go from there? 1850 715 996. The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln dried wood, and briquettes. For collection or delivery, solidfueldepot.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Irish songwriter Anna Mika has shared stages with many other artists. Supporting the likes of Lisa Hannigan, Martin Hayes, This Is The Kid and Lancome. Anna returns to Cork for a show taking place in the Kino on Friday, October 2nd. And you can check out KinoCork.com for ticket details. Access all areas. Comedians Alison Spittle and Kevin McGarren are embarking on the smallest tour of Ireland world tour next month. It's a double bill featuring two of the best comedians we have and stopping at Cypress Avenue for one night on Saturday, November 14th. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a Schedule show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie.
Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. I love this. I love this. It's been a long time, Hoggy, since I had a pint up in, in Dunamore. An awful long time. Drink driving put in, put an end to that one. But you're reopening the Hog and Hound on... Are you open right now or when are you open this week? Morning uh, we're, we're, we're open for the last... Um, since the restaurant's opened. Oh, good man. Good man. Okay. Okay, because you, you, of course you're doing the food, food up there. You, yeah, we're doing the food Friday to Sunday. You have a note up, though, that's getting you a bit, no, a bit noticed. Uh, it's, it's not a note. It's just letting people know uh, what we feel about the way people are treating coronavirus, especially the younger generation. Okay. It says, number one, if you're coming to the bar or restaurant and don't want to socially distance, find another bar. If you're coming to the bar or restaurant and don't want to be seated, find another bar. If you're coming to the bar or restaurant and come with the sole intent of getting pissed, find another bar. Have you had trouble convincing people that, that you just have to sit down and wait your turn and table service? Well, it's, it's, no, we have plenty of room. We have plenty of room. But the, the situation is is that people don't want to sit down um, and I find it's more... No, not all the younger generation. It's just a percentage of them. And they just haven't grasped what's happening. Yeah. You know, they just haven't grasped what's happening. And I'm high risk. My wife is high risk. Um, I worry about my mother and father. I worry about my customers. And basically, people are more interested in getting pissed now than they are, than worrying about the people they care about. It's only an afterthought. Yeah. You also have no time for people who think it's all a hoax. Well, basically, I had this conversation with a person on over the weekend, and I just turned around to him and said, what do you think they were burying in Italy and New York mannequins? Yeah, yeah. Because they're in denial. There's an amount you know? that, there is an amount of that going on. You say, we're a family-run pub with the intention of putting our customers' safety and health first. If this doesn't lodge between your ears, find, find another bar. We will do everything possible to keep you safe while you're with us. So what's your normal capacity? My, no, my normal capacity would be about 70 inside in the front bar and we'd have about 100 in the back bar. Right. And so we're quality. down to about 20 seats now for meals, keeping all the social distancing involved. Yes. And we can fit another 34 with the social distancing involved in the back bar. Right. And have you two metres or one metres distancing? We have two metres distancing. Which allows you to waive the time limit, doesn't it? Well, basically, what was happening, it was a one, uh, 105 minutes um, restriction all along. So we just encouraged anybody that if they wanted to carry on afterwards, go into the beer garden. And we have a fine beer garden sponsored by one of the local breweries here. And basically, if they want to have a sociable drink, go out and have a sociable drink in the beer garden because for the last couple of months, the weather has been good. Yeah. You know, it's changing now. Though, come back on the on, on the younger generation, though, Tony. Do you find that it's it's harder to get younger customers to to comply with the rules and regs? Um, I do extremely hard. Now, we were always family orientated pub, especially at the weekends. We do food Friday to Sunday, and we have a, a nice clientele um, in the Dunmore area. My situation was is that I was the only pub within. We'll say a five mile radius that was opened and people were coming down here and using it as a bear. Uh, they might order their food. They might have one or two drinks. And next thing they started ordering, ordering Jaeger bombs. 
give me a break, like, you know. Jaeger <laughs> bombs were a bloody Sunday roast or something like that. And I just said, lads, we don't do that. Girls, we don't do that. I said, the restaurants are open, the wet pubs are not opened. You know? I'm just trying to think about that. A bit of roast beef and, and, and a couple of spuds. <laughs> Give me two Jaeger bombs with that. Like. Yes, like, it's a joke. See, they, they haven't comprehended. It's not the norm. Yeah. It's not the norm. Yeah. You know? And we could have making a fast buck if we wanted that, but we'd rather have the reputation maintained at all times inside the pub. I have a lot of customers, which would be elderly gentlemen, and I tell you straight, I did break the law, during, not during lockdown, but concerning the food, that I have a couple of senior citizens in the parish. When the restaurant was finished at about 10 o'clock, I'd ask one or two of them to come down to, to give them a break. They wouldn't be intermixing with anybody, and they might sit down and have two or three pints of Guinness, and I'd drive them home afterwards. Good for you. Good for you. You know, it's, it's, it's just like... The reason there's no death is because the older generation are after copping on. But they are after being in lockdown. Yeah. And basically, if the young people are out there and they don't give a tuppenny halfpenny about the younger generation or those with underlying factors. Yeah, yeah. The loneliness is very big in an area like like yours. For the, the old fella a couple of miles away who's living on his own, wife dead, or maybe never married, and comes down for a point maybe a game of cards a chin wag with the lads he has missed that or she has missed that so much it's it's more of the conversation side of it more than anything else yeah you know it's more the conversation side of it and being able to meet up with all the acquaintances that they grew up with for the last 50 60 years sit down and have a point to Murphy's or a point to Beamish or whatever yeah and just in just like rather than being cocooned inside in their houses all along yeah, and of course, you, know? you, you, you give them no But the problem, the problem is, this is going to be with us for a long time yeah. until the young fellas and the young ones cop themselves on. No, it's only a small percentage of them, but all it takes is a small percentage. Yeah. You know? Do people have to wear a mask coming in, Ton? No, not necessarily, because basically we're well ventilated now at the moment. Um, they come in, we see them straight away. Uh, the use of facilities. We have all the protocols put in place with the screens up and everything else. There's a remain seated at all time. We have the sanitizer at every table. Um, and basically, we're, we're following the protocols that are put in place. And have you to book for contact tracing and all that kind of stuff? Well, there's a book inside the door. We sign them in as they come in the door. So just basically, it's your name, then the, the people you're coming with, telephone number, the time you arrived at. Etc. Mm. Had you road bowlers in at the weekend? Say again? Had you road bowlers in at the weekend? Uh, there was a road bowling situation down the road and it just came up in bulk and uh, basically they weren't booked in because we couldn't facilitate them. Right. And that was it. Like, you know, we just had to move on. Oh, you couldn't, you couldn't, yeah, because I imagine a crowd arriving together, you'd have difficulty yeah, getting yeah. people to observe the distance. Yes, yeah. yeah. Another thing that I, I see, and I saw this on my own holidays, I was up, up in, in the north and they, they were opening their, their pubs at the time and one of the publicans was telling me that, we was just chatting, he had an awful problem with, you have a table of six in this corner and a table of six in that corner or a table of four in that corner and the, t- the tenants, they're dragging them together and putting them there. You can't do that. No, you can't. <laughs> it deceives the purpose. It defeats the purpose, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
you might as well have a you you might as well have a, a table of fifty souls sitting at a wedding. You know what I mean? All together, like it's all about keeping your distance, doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Are you, are you no, you're in a restaurant to have a meal and a sociable drink. You're not there to banter, have a crack, and everything else. That's what the wet pubs are for. And unfortunately, that's gone for for the time that's being. Gone for the, that's gone for the foreseeable future. And then as the people that are on denial about all this COVID-19, it, it's going to be with us for a long time. So the sooner they, they whether, they, whether they believe it or not, if they follow the guidelines, right, and get a reality check and see what's happening around them, yeah. the sooner we can get back to normal. All right. Tony, good to talk to you. Um, I don't know when I'll get out next to the Hog and the Hound, but it's a grand place to go. Thanks, Tony. 1850-715-996. Tony Moore is like going to Mars these days if you want to have a point. 1850-715-996. Just on the Glen Eagle, and there was a big crowd in there, and we're assuming, uh, because we believe that the Glen Eagles checked everything out legally, checked everything out according to guidelines, what they were entitled to do. If they're entitled to do it, then it's your decision to go in or not to go in. Ivan on Facebook says, not everyone has a choice regarding whether they attend these events or not. I doubt the staff had much option, which is a fair point. That is a fair point. On the pubs, Carla says she'd never drank in her life. But she says, keep the pubs open and close the off-licenses. No. I'll battle anybody on the off-licenses. It would be, first of all, punishing the many for the sins of the few. And secondly, it would cause... But We've spoken to Michael Gearin about this from Brewery. If you closed all the off-licenses and cut off the supply of drink, you could cause more trouble than you solve. You'd have a massive... We were here one morning when it came up as a talking point on the show. And Deirdre was on the phone to a woman outside who was literally weeping down the phone, weeping down the phone at the prospect of the off-licenses being closed on the basis that if her husband didn't get drink, then she'd get frequent and severe beatings. So there you go, you see. 1850-715-996. On the politicians' salaries, did the Taoiseach get a raise? I never mentioned it. Well, we checked. The executive research desk did its job. Current salary for the Taoiseach, 207,590 euro annually. A 2% pay rise like every other public servant in the country. All of this is available online, by the way. Uh, all, anyone on a public service pay agreement gets 2% this week. <laughs> The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. On Twitter at OpinionLine96. The hashtag is OL96. And contact us through Facebook from wherever you are in the world. Uh, Corks 96 FM Facebook page. Send us a message. And market for the attention of the opinion line. I had the misfortune, says this caller, had our message rather, I had the misfortune of having to drive through the road bowlers uh, in Dunamore on Sunday, uh, trying to get to my house. The crowd was intimidating. I could hardly move for the car. And because of that, I was driving slowly, at which point 
a man shouted in the window at me to speed up and used offensive language. Actually, a lot of people are saying about the road bowling. We know it's happening. We know it's back on. It's a very traditional Cork sport with a very big following. But it's a kind of a sport that is difficult to social distance, isn't it? Like, I'm not talking about the bowler himself or herself playing the sport and throwing the bowl and rolling the But the big crowds that gather at the start and at the finish of the score, like, are they socially distancing? Are they wearing masks if they're not able to socially distance properly? Uh, I was in a bar in West Cork on Saturday. We were having dinner. There weren't any seats inside, so we needed to sit outside. There was a group of around 10 teenagers who didn't look 18, maybe 15 or 16, shouting and roaring. There didn't seem to be any food on their table. They were being served pints and shorts. I have no problem with anybody enjoying themselves, but there was no social distancing, and they were disturbing everyone else around them so much that cars were slowing down, passing to look at them. Another person even took a video. I think in the times we're living in, they weren't complying to guidelines. Please don't identify me. Doing a great job as usual. Thank you. And great results, or great response to Professor Howrahan and the Allergies Clinic, which they're using the City West now to clear the allergies background, which is or the backlog, which is absolutely great. Lots more comments coming in on the Glen Eagle. I'll try to get to them, but we want to get to this for a couple of days now. There's a bit of a spat has developed between two well-respected individuals in ASD education in Cork. Uh, one would be Aaron Wolf, the principal of Kaloshta Eamon Reish. The other would be Graham Manning. Uh, we've spoken to both of them many, many times about providing classes for kids on the spectrum and they've had a bit of a difference of opinion. Let us go back to before the schools opened. And I was talking to Aaron Wolf about provision of well, school services in general, reopening the classes in general for everybody. But he mentioned uh, the ASD units in the course of that conversation. As you remember, we were on before about ASD units mm-hmm. and our school had run out of space anyway. And we, have, we had decided last year, look, because the need in Cork was so great, we would carry on running for ASD units. But we were pressed for space anyway. So we've had to really look at now where we're we going to put these uh, two extra special classes that we decided to keep on. He also spoke about uh, ASD and special needs education in general in, in planning for the new season or the new term. The standard classroom with 28 people in it, yes. under social distance rules, that's just not possible. So how are well, you getting around the limits? Well, what the Department of Education did, they reversed their previous decisions where they said you couldn't touch your SEN allowance. So an SEN allowance are the hours you're given to help students with special education needs. Now, in our school, we always use those hours to make small class sizes. And the Department of Education told us to stop doing that. The Department don't want small class sizes. The Department want classes of 30. But now they've reversed it and said, actually, for this year, you can use your SEN allocation to make small class sizes. So instead of what's called team teaching, where there could be two teachers in the one, classroom, you're now allowed to split the class and send half the class as one teacher and half the class as another, which is, makes much more sense. And I would say most principals would think that is the proper way it should be done, but the theory is put two teachers in a room with 30 children to get more done. But in Ireland, it doesn't work because our classrooms aren't big enough. Yeah. So by and large, I have been able to... Um, 
separate our classrooms. But I'm I'm very lucky. We have 45 teachers on staff here, so I have a large teaching allocation. Um, so it has allowed me to do kind of creative things. Other schools are a bit more snookered because they don't have as many teachers. No, we have invited Aaron to take part uh, in this morning's discussion. He he politely declined, as is his right. Uh, if he's listening and he wishes to change his mind, then we'd obviously love to hear from you, Aaron. But Graham, you're taking issue with a number of things he said. Good morning. Morning, Peter. How are you getting on? Good. Uh, I am. Um, the clip you just played there, I have Aaron saying that you can use your SEN teacher allowance to reduce mainstream class size, isn't true. Um, I've sent on a document to yourselves proving it isn't true. It was released by the department last week. Um, it, also in that interview, um, Aaron said that... At the time, now bearing in mind that interview is a couple of weeks old, at the time was it true? No, it wasn't. You are not allowed to use your special education teaching allowance as part of your mainstream teaching allocation. The only caveat on that that you were allowed to use, in an emergency situation, if you couldn't get sub-cover, can you redirect them temporarily until you do get it? Yes. You cannot use them as part of your mainstream time-telling. I have the document uh, here, actually, uh, yeah. that you they sent. It's gov.ie uh, supports for the special educational sector uh, under section 5 or paragraph 5. The guidance does not provide for schools to use their allocations of special education teachers to reduce class sizes in order to support social distancing. However, there's been no change to the criteria for the use of schools of special education teacher posts. That goes on. Uh, Also in the interview, in the the interview, uh, it was actually the primary reason that I uh, contacted you. In the interview, um, Aaron said at the time, his school has um, four special classes. For every special class in secondary, you get 1.5 teaching posts. Rather, would amount to six teaching posts in his class, or his school, sorry. And he said he was using two of those special class teaching posts as part of his mainstream teaching allocation. Because again, special class teaching allocation is separate from, um, you have a a separate... uh, special education teaching allowance inside the school for students who aren't in the special class but um, have all, get all the uh, teaching supports. Mm. He, he said he's he keeping the four going, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's yep. keeping the four units going. And a unit, I, if I remember correctly... I wouldn't, is, see that, I wouldn't see that as an audible. It's, it's one, it's one teacher, but it's one he teacher. It's 1.5. Yeah. But you it's can't have a teacher. It's one... It's, it's one, no, but that's that's 11 teaching hours. Right, okay. Uh, so obviously it doesn't have to be one one person full time, another person half time. It could be split through a, no, a number of different people. Now, there's issues with fragmenting it too much as well, like you wouldn't want... Yeah, yeah but isn't a standard, a standard, yeah, isn't a standard unit six pupils, one one teacher, and three uh, SNAs, up to three SNAs? No, it's not. Um, a standard in primary is six students, one teaching post, and two SNAs. Right. The standard in secondary, and there isn't a standard as in there's variation. There's no variation on it. Yeah, yeah. In, one, in secondary, it's six students, 1.5 teachers, hence where I got the six, and, then I got, um, and two SNAs. So Aaron said that he was going to use two of those six SNAs as part of his mainstream, or two of those six teachers, apologies, as part of his mainstream teaching allocation. He cannot do that. He does not have the authority to do that. The Minister for Education doesn't have the authority Let's to do that. Let's listen back again, because I'm just want to, I, I, I would not want to be you know, getting it wrong either. Here we go. The standard classroom with 28 people in it under social distance rules, that's just not possible. 
So how are well, you getting around the limits? Here's the clip. Well, what the Department of Education did, they reversed their previous decisions where they said you couldn't touch your SEN allowance. So an SEN allowance are the hours you're given to help students with special education needs. Now, in our school, we always use those hours to make small class sizes. And the Department of Education told us to stop doing that. The Department don't want small class sizes. The Department want classes of 30. But now they've reversed it and said, actually, for this year, you can use your SEN allocation to make small class sizes. Now... You're sure about that, Graham? 100% absolutely positive. I've sent the information out to yourselves. I also sent a copy of the inspectorate report from 2019 that was done in um, Clough Day Memories, or I think Deer Park at the time, um, where their board of met, they were, the inspectorate admonished them for doing precisely that, misusing their special class and SEN teaching hours to make classes smaller. At the time, they weren't allowed to do it. They're not allowed to do it now. They haven't been allowed to do it in any intervening time. And the end of that report has, and that I've sent on to you and highlighted, has a commitment from their board of management saying, I'll read it out if it does, okay? In keeping, with the inspection, yeah, in keeping with the inspection report recommendations, the school is making significant timetable provision for co-teaching and ASD additional supports for the coming academic year, 29-20, and will no longer use SEN support resources to reduce overall class sizes across the school. Now, now according, that's, that's, according to Aaron, he rec- he, in, in his understanding the day I spoke to him was that that didn't apply anymore. Um, well, I provided in writing. I provided in writing proof to you that it does. If Aaron can provide proof that it doesn't, then I guess I'll apologise. Right, right. Now, that's it. not just to be personalising it or directing it at once. Oh, no, no, I think it, you, it, it, you it, believe it, it, this is happening uh, wholesale. Oh, but that's the thing. I, I'd be very, very clear. I have nothing personal against Aaron. I've met him a bunch of times, and he strikes me as a very nice guy. I have nothing personal against Aaron. What he's doing and what his school is doing and is to be not fair, allowed. To be fair to Deer Park, when nobody was doing this, they were doing it. As in, uh, they start, for, for my understanding, they started in two, uh, 2007, yeah. which would be before, if not everybody, almost everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, it wouldn't, for a second, try to take that away. From, not that I could, but, you know, um, all praise due in relation to that. Um, this is a wider problem. There are schools across the country who have always done this. They are doing it even more so now. They are not allowed. They were never allowed. They have never had the authority. But they're not being forced. I, the, the document released by the department last week, the point five that I sent on to yourself, mm. is super. It couldn't be any more clear. Yeah, I have it's it here. I suppose it's worth reading it. it again. Special education teachers cannot be used for mainstream class teaching or to reduce the pupil-teacher ratio in mainstream classes or to provide additional subjects for pupils who do not have special educational needs as set out in circulars, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. It's for the students who are in the special class. That's it. That's what those teaching results. Now, if they benefit both at the same time, that's a different. And that, there are situations where that, can, where that can happen. But you cannot just redirect it as part of your mainstream teaching. There are also situations in schools where they're saying, oh, we're not doing integration. The students in our special class can't go into mainstream anymore. They can't do that. There are, again, there are, because of the COVID situation, now, in fairness, I don't want to be too harsh, they may be back, um, motivated by the best of intentions. Yeah. I'm not going to say everyone is deliberately trying to abuse these resources and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I don't think that. But that is what's happening. Mm. And it's happening wholesale. I, like, I've, even regarding this, and just generally speaking, not in, uh, I've had contact from um, just over Madigan, Minister for uh, Special Education and Inclusion, being right. crystal clear that this is not permitted. I've talked to two, um, two CNOs in Cork, and, and I won't be naming people, higher up within the NCSE, all crystal clear. You cannot do this. You were never allowed to do this. Stop doing this. Mm. Isn't I mean, it a case, of- really, that, and I'm not batting for the schools in particular, Graham, but yeah. he, I, 
isn't it a case that they actually need more regular teachers and they're doing oh, this because they haven't got enough teachers? But that, you're right in the, uh, they need more teachers. Right? We have the biggest class sizes in Europe. We have the smallest physical classrooms in Europe. We have the smallest percentage of our budget goes toward education of any country in Europe. Not the countries you'd normally compare us with, any country in Europe. We are at bottom of the list on every single one of those metrics. And yet our education system pr- still produces results that's in the top 10 or above in every, in every metric you can possibly measure it by. But it's chickens coming home with the roots of the department. And for successive governments more so than the department, in fairness. But none of that excuses principals, management, boards of management going beyond their authority and taking resources from the most vulnerable students in their schools. They can't do it. They need to stop. Okay. Graham, leave it there. Thank you for that, bringing that to our attention. As I said, we did invite Aaron Wolf to take part in this particular discussion. He declined, as is his right. But in fairness, the document that Graham has sent us is pretty clear. Special education teachers cannot be used for mainstream class teaching or to reduce the pupil-teacher ratio in mainstream classes or to provide additional subjects for people who do not have special educational needs. So that is in black and white from the department. Just one more time what what Aaron said about the reuse and he's convinced that this time out he was allowed to. Let's, have, let's, let's hear that one again. The standard classroom with 28 people in it. Yes. Under social distance rules, that's just not possible. So how are well, you getting around the limits? Well, what the Department of Education did, they reversed their previous decisions where they said you couldn't touch your SEN allowance. So an SEN allowance are the hours you're given to help students with special education needs. Now, in our school, we always use those hours to make small class sizes. And the Department of Education told us to stop doing that. The Department don't want small class sizes. The Department want classes of 30. But now they've reversed it and said, actually, for this year, you can use your SEN allocation to make small class sizes. So if Aaron can produce a document to that extent, Um, or to back that up then I guess we're at a stalemate but for now it looks as if Graham's document is is the um, the gospel here 1850-715-996 but as you said this isn't directed at Eamon Reish or Aaron Wolf in specifics he said this is happening all over the place despite the fact that the department very clearly says it shouldn't. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie For 20 minutes of the best music mix. Non-stop. And everything Cork. On Cork's 96FM. Check out new music all this week from the likes of Joel Corey and Cork Band True Tides. We hear from the stars here. Here's Gaga. I love you. Stay safe. And I might sound like a broken record, but wear a mask. And did you know Ed Sheeran? Not a big fan of TV. You know, I'm not a big TV watcher. I kind of like, if it's on, I watch it. On air, online, and on your smart speaker. And Tobin. Weekdays from midday. With the White Rabbit Bar and Barbecue. A brand new look with the same great food and service. See whiterabbit.ie. Corks 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 3 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM.
If you were at the Apple Green service station in Toker yesterday morning around 20 to 9, you might want to listen up. Uh, we've had a message from someone who's really trying to trace something they lost, a mobile phone, in fact, that they lost. I'll get that in just a second. But I said I'd mention this. These are the Swedish experts who are coming before the Eroctus COVID-19 committee today. One of them is their former chief epidemiologist, a man called Dr. Giseke, will recommend that the virus be let spread through the population alongside a programme concentrating on the old and the frail. So in other words, the Swedish model of separate the vulnerable, protect them, and let the rest of us get on with their lives, which is one way they did it over there. Uh, there's, there's another individual who is the president of the Irish Society of Clinical Micro- Microbiology, Kirsten Schaefer, will also uh, speak to the committee about the economic and social impacts of aiming for COVID-free status, which is what the other professors, Anthony Staines and others, have been pushing. That's They're coming before the Oireachtas 19 the Arctic COVID-19 committee today and lots of people who support the Swedish model and who support the theory behind the Swedish model are saying we should mention this and saying that we should maybe interview these people. We will listen to what they have to say with the, to, the, to the committee where they will be questioned. But here's the thing before we actually even go to that. Because Sweden uh, has a deaths per million rate of 570, which is fifth in Europe behind Belgium, Spain, the UK and Italy. Now, whatever about Belgium, and they had it bad, but Spain, the UK and Italy, and Sweden is next. So their death per million rate is, is nothing to be writing home about. Ireland is presently on a death per million rate of 360. Uh, the other Scandinavian countries around Denmark, you know, Norway, Sweden, Denmark... Well, Denmark has a death per million rate of 100. Norway, 50. So they're doing something Sweden didn't, and maybe they're doing something better. And Finland is considered to be one of the uh, best performing. It has a death per million rate of, of 60 at the moment. So that's all coming before this, the Oireachtas Committee today. Uh, we'll see what they say, at least. 1850-715-996. We work on to the HSE to their public health and uh, their, and to the central press office as well, trying to get restrictions on live music to find out what exactly is the story with live music because it's very hard to tell what the story is with regard to live music. They've redirected us to the government press office. So we're going to follow this up and see is there an actual black and white rule with regarding live music because you had the Gina and the Champions show at the Glen Eagles, of which we've been talking about this morning. You have a couple of trad and ballad sessions have started up in various pubs around the city and county with the volume turned down and all of that palaver. But whether or not you're able to have live music, there's no actual clarity there. So we're going to try and get some. 1850-715-996. Now... Yesterday morning, which was Tuesday, which would have been September the 22nd, on the way to school at 8.15 to 8.40. So between quarter past eight and 20 to nine yesterday morning at the Apple Green service station in Toker, a child lost a mobile phone. The phone had been placed on top of a car and she'd forgotten that when she got back into the car 
and the car drove away. Now, the phone has gone missing. It could have been broken. It could have been driven over. That's, by the way. But this is a special case. We normally wouldn't do this. The child's died. Dad died last February. And the only photos of them together are on that phone. Now, her family have been told that the photos are very important to this child's bereavement process. If you found it, please hand it into the garage. There is now a reward offered. There will be no comeback, even if it's destroyed, even if it got driven over. Hopefully, they can get the pictures off of the phone. Uh, so there's no. If you found it, if you drove over it, 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 it doesn't actually matter. Just hand it in. So that was the Apple Green service station in Toker. School runtime between quarter past eight and 20 to nine yesterday morning. A phone fell off the top of a car. There were precious, precious photos in that phone. And we would dearly like to be able to help the owners to get those photos because they're really, really important to the young child who owns the phone. They're the only pictures that the child has of themselves with their late dad who passed away in February. If we can help with that, it would make our day. 1850-715-996. It's one of the craziest court cases. Well, it is a crazy court case. It's a, it's a really mad court case. These are the nuns in West Cork. They had another day in court yesterday, and uh, Judge James McNulty was on the bench, and he's uh, adjourned the case until next June. We'll find out more next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. So this is the story of two nuns, Sister Irene Gibson and her colleague sister Anne-Marie, who uh, took ownership or took up residence on a site in West Cork uh, near Lepp uh, a number of number of years ago, 2016. Reporting Noel Baker from The Echo and The Examiner. Noel, good morning. PJ, how are you? Good. This is an interesting story with many twists and turns. For, for listeners not familiar, take me back to the start. Yeah, it's turning into something of a saga, really, at this juncture. I mean, um, as you correctly pointed out there, back in 2016, Sister Irene Gibson, she's a Carmelite nun of the Holy Face of Jesus, she established what was effectively a prayer retreat at this um, site at Carn South, near the village of Lepp. Uh, It was an unauthorised development. Um, There was a lot of... uh, uh, small buildings, garden sheds, effectively, uh, uh, some of those, plus a, a container, and buildings that had been put together, temporary structures that had effectively formed the retreat, and there was a chapel, oratory, etc., all of that. And then last year, she was joined by uh, Sister Anne-Marie, who we understand is from New Zealand. Um, but in 2018, Cork County Council had first brought enforcement proceedings against Sister Irene on foot of the fact that this 
unauthorised development in the first instant. And the prosecution first became uh, an issue before the district court in Skibbereen in May of last year. Um, now, uh, Sister Irene uh, pleaded not guilty to any breach of the enforcement proceedings. Uh, she set her stall out. Um, it, the matter came back before the court last December. And uh, Judge James McNulty found that, that they had been in breach, that she had been in breach. And effectively at that time, gave her some period to effectively relocate, return the site back to its original uh, condition and mm. to move on. Who and owns last, the site, Noel, do we know? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure, so I can't tell you, but mm. um, it, it was, uh, there, there does not seem to be any other party uh, involved, involved in, in the proceedings. Right. I believe that it may have been scheduled to have been a garden centre way back when. Um, okay. But uh, there, there's the complaints that sparked this whole thing, uh, we were told in court, came from residents, some of whom may actually own holiday homes in the area, and that they were complaining about the appearance of the retreat as, as it had built up over a period of time. But uh, last December, we had heard from Sister Irene that there may be the, the offer of alternative accommodation for herself and her colleague in Yall. But we heard yesterday when the matter came back before the court that unfortunately this had proven unsuccessful, it hadn't worked out. And this matter was supposed to have been held last April, but because of COVID and all the related lockdown restrictions, everything was pushed back, including in the courts. So it only came up before the court again yesterday. And once again, Sister Irene explained that she had tried her best to see if there was other viable accommodation in the area. Uh, she had tried to raise money through social media and other means to try and see whether she could purchase, let's say, a vacant or an empty home or holiday house or anything that would be down in the area. Unfortunately, it's out of her price range, um, as, as Judge McNulty said, maybe not surprisingly, given that it's coastal West Cork. And uh, a lot of downsizing has taken place to the effect where there's now just effectively three of these pods or garden sheds left. One is used as a kitchen. Mm. The other two are used for, for the, the, the nuns residing in them. And then there's one other container which holds their personal belongings. And there is some fencing that's still up there as well. So, Have they uh, power and water and stuff, no? They don't use electricity. Um, uh, it, it's never been elaborated on what the water source is, but uh, one of the problems, Sister Irene pointed out yesterday, in relation to actually trying to get on the housing list, is that they would require utility bills, and she doesn't have electricity, so she doesn't have one. Um, and the other problem would be that they would require her birth certificate, which she said she would find difficult to locate, or would have certainly up to this point because of the various restrictions on movements that we've had, and people working from home, and offices, etc. Is she Irish? Oh, she's Irish. Yeah, so she can get her birth certificate oh, yeah, in Dublin. Yeah. And as, as she pointed out, if she was able to tick all these boxes, she has full residency, so she would also be able to uh, see what she could apply for. But her colleague does not have full Irish residency, and obviously they are two, two members of the same order living together very devoutly and adhering to the parameters of their faith. Yeah. Uh, so the idea of one kind of going in one direction and the other going somewhere else is yeah. not going to happen either. They're very anxious as well, I think, to stay in, in West Cork for, for that specific reason. There's a weekly Tridentine Latin Mass down there yeah. which they want to go to. As, as Sister Irene pointed out, and, and she was representing herself in court, uh, as she pointed out, they do not affiliate or are not affiliated with the mainstream church. So they only attend the Latin-only Tridentine Mass. And obviously that's hard enough to come by. And there is a priest who lives four miles away and he's in a position to deliver that mass once a week. They said they would go... Is it just for them or for a group? Oh, that again is 
that, that might be uh, an ecclesiastical matter or an <laughs> ecumenical matter. I, I, I couldn't possibly comment. But, I mean, the, the fact is they would go daily, they said, but they, they struggle with transport. Um, so they go weekly and they attend this Mass. I and I think any relocation would also be on the basis that wherever they would move to would have to also offer the same access to mm. the Mass. So what did the good Judge McDulty say yesterday? Well, well I think he, um, he certainly expressed sympathy for their situation, um, but he, he was also quite practical about it in relation to the likelihood of them ever being able to afford accommodation in the area uh, because the, the price obviously for any kind of property down along coastal West Cork is, is, uh, can be exorbitant and he did say have you considered relocating to another county, he named check Leitrim he said Mayo might be another option where they're, they're, they're sparsely populated there might be more suitable accommodation available within the price range that, that Sister Irene would have at her disposal. Um, and he also got on to Cork County Council, though, and he made the point that if Cork County Council's planning department was doing its job, and it does appear to have been doing its job thus far in bringing the prosecution, uh, bringing the enforcement proceedings, uh, trying to monitor the level of uh, uh, compliance with the various rulings that have been made so far about the downsizing and so on, what about the local authorities' other obligations to house these women? Um, so he has asked that the matter be referred to the housing department within Cork County Council as well to see what they can do, because as he pointed out, it could effectively kill two birds at once with, with, with one stone, resolve two problems in one. Yeah, he's, he's adjourned until next June. He's, he's not exactly pushing them here, is he? Well, he's not, but I think he's sympathetic to the fact that this, this is quite a novel situation. I mean, you know, they were, sorry, Sister Irene Waller was convicted of the breach um, and efforts have been made at mitigation in that regard. Things have been downsized. There's been a scaling down at the site or whatever. But at the same time, I suppose you can't just uh, turf a Carmelite nun and her fellow member of the order out on the side of the street. And, um, you know, if they have expressed an interest in maybe getting on the, the list for social housing, well, then that's where the local authority comes in. And I suppose he's trying to see what avenue of those two can maybe be reached by the time the case is next before the court in June. Whether or not they may have come across suitable accommodation themselves and relocated, uh, or whether or not they've been facilitated by the local authority. Um, but, I mean, penalty is still outstanding in this case, and, right. and, and that's what will probably uh, be... She doesn't have the money to pay the penalty, does she? Well, the, the point was made that the, the under this particular breach, the fine is a minimum of €2,500 and I think a maximum of €5,000, unless your financial circumstances are such yeah. that you can prove that you cannot pay a fine. Have, have they any way of earning a living? Do they draw welfare? Do, does anybody know? Uh, Sister Irene mentioned yesterday that she is in receipt of social welfare. Um, uh, but, I mean, they obviously live quite a chaste existence, you know, quite devout. Yeah. Um, and, you know, apart from a mobile phone, uh, obviously they're not using electricity. Um, it, it, does, it does seem to be... Um, you don't know how they charge their mobile, wouldn't you? Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's many ways of doing that. But, I mean, to, the, the, the outlook from their perspective is we have to adhere to the parameters of our faith and we must do what we can within okay. that. And our faith is the most important thing to us. So, of course, we'll try and comply with the order of the court as much as possible and we're going to try and 
find alternative accommodation as quickly as we can. Uh, but if somebody can assist us in that regard, we'd be delighted. All right, we'll keep an eye on it because it's inter- it certainly is an interesting one. Thank you, Noel. Noel Baker, Social Affairs Correspondent of the Irish Examiner. As far as we know, the phone they have is something like an old Blockia. You know, the ones that they charged about, you have to charge about once a month. You know those yokes. Thanks, Noel, for that. It's an interesting case, though. It really is. I wonder where they're getting that Latin Mass. The priest says Latin Mass a few kilometres away. There was a story in the Southern Star a couple of weeks ago, and we had details of it here as well, about a group. Uh, the Pius the Tenth people. That's right, the Society of the Pius the Tenth people. Their holding is at a daily or a weekly Latin Mass in that neck of the woods. Tridentine Mass. I wonder, is that where they go to Mass? If you're trying to encourage your children to read, uh, there's a book has been published to help you to do just that and to help your children to get hooked on reading. Because I've said many times before, and I stand over it since I was a very, very small boy, the greatest gift you can give any child is a book and the ability to understand the love of books. Just on a couple of things though, before I go there, the bonds were back onto us. We had a, an email from a patient, the Bonds, who was charged €100 Euro for a COVID-19 test. The Bonds are providing private COVID-19 tests for anyone going in for any kind of a procedure. It's just part of protecting the hospital from COVID-19. But the person who emailed us was outraged by the cost of it at, at €100. Euro. Now, that's a matter for the hospital. Some people saying it's gone down. It was 225 before. But it wasn't also, it wasn't covered by our emails, our emailers, health insurance. So the bonds have been back on to say that health insurance now covers the COVID test, except for people whose health insurance is with Irish Life. So that is the latest. If you have to have a COVID test for a procedure with the bonds, it'll be covered by everyone now except Irish Life, which means that VHI, I presume, will cover it, and Leia and others are covering it. At this stage, do liberty, do health, they do. So they'll be covering it as well. The only one not covering it now is, is Irish life. And one last que- uh, message about the Glen Eagles and the Gina and the Champions concert, uh, which the Glen Eagles told us was operated within the guidelines. Carla says, I don't know who took the photo, but the angle is very questionable. I was there on Sunday. Everyone was very, very socially distanced with more than two metres between tables. A friend of ours came across to our side and it was table service only. When he called a waiter and asked for a drink, the waiter realised he was from a different table and told him go back to his own table. They were also calling across to other tables, asking them if they wanted drinks. But when doing that, they were making sure the people sitting there were in the right places. There's plenty of messing going on in the bars in town. I don't know why you highlight this one. It was a very well-run operation. Other people I know went to a Mary Black concert there as well, and they said similar things. If it's well-run, it's well-run and fair play. Uh, Why are we highlighting it? Because, callers, somebody asked us to look into it. It's kind of our job. 1850-715-996. So, Lorraine Levis, good morning to you. Thanks for holding. No problem at all, PJ. Thank you for having me. I said this in my introduction there briefly. I think the greatest gift you can give a child even in these very, very modern times, is to give them a book and teach them the joy of reading. Absolutely, and I think your your intro was absolutely lovely and really hit the nail on the head. And 
especially in these modern times where, you know, we have to compete with technology for everything. And being able to take a step back and say, you know, pick up a book or even pick up a, a tablet or, or a Kindle that has a book on it, but just pick up a book and, you know, disappear off into another world sometimes. It's, it's a lovely thing to be able to, a lovely gift to be able to give children. Your, your book, your new book is written with that in mind. Absolutely. And, and that's the whole, the whole idea is that I want to encourage people that, you know, maybe didn't grow up with a love of reading for pleasure themselves or a bit intimidated by trying to, you know, know what to give their books or what to give their children in the way of books, excuse me, um, and to know what section they're supposed to be looking at in a bookshop. I try to describe the book as uh, it's a bookseller in your pocket. You know, not every area in the country has an independent bookshop with a children's bookseller. And so it can be very difficult to find the advice that you need for a specific child in a specific situation. And that's what I hope this book gives. The hardest part, I suppose, is if you have a child who has grown up with 150 television channels, not to mention YouTube, Netflix, Amazon and anything else they have in yourself, it's very hard to convince them to actually take a book and read it. They'd rather watch the show on YouTube. So how do you get over that hurdle? Absolutely. And it's a thing that adults find increasingly difficult as well, because the difference between the likes of a TV show or YouTube and reading is the fact that TV shows are a passive activity. You can sit in front of it sort of mindlessly and the information will be delivered to you through the screen. Whereas with books, you really have to sit down and your brain has to do a lot more of the work. And so if you try to explain that to a child, yeah, it is extremely difficult. And I can understand why kids might be reluctant and why parents find it frustrating. The usual thing that I would recommend is look at what the child enjoys outside of reading. If they have absolutely no interest in reading, they must be interested in something else, be that sport, be that television, be that video games. Look at that thing in which they are passionate about and find books to fit that rather than trying to get books to replace it. So there's plenty of non-fiction books, there's plenty of fiction books that centre around football. There's some brilliant books by the O'Brien Press that centre around GAA. You know, you can find books for everyone. Um, and even with TV shows, movies, there are plenty of books that tie in. Like the two things that I found as a bookseller were most looked for is anything to do with Pokemon and anything to do with Fortnite. I'm sure there's whole shelves of books about Pokemon and Fortnite. There's just a reluctance sometimes for parents where they want to see kids enjoying books the way they did. They want to see them picking up Ina Blyton and, and the classics uh, to enjoy sort of a higher level of literature where, you know, the book doesn't fulfill the same role nowadays than it did when you or I were reading as children. They're and so never going to gonna love to... something they don't know. Exactly. And so you just need to gently introduce them to the idea of a book that will tie in with everything else in their lives. Like if a child is fascinated with, and a lot of kids go through a fascination with dinosaurs or farm mm. animals or, or, or anything like that, buy them a book about dinosaurs or farm animals. Absolutely. I know uh, there's a book that's just arrived in bookshops from Gill that's the Great Irish Farm Book. And it's just a big illustrated book all about farms. And sure, go for it. Brilliant. So your book focuses on, is it, for the, is it for the parent or for the child? It's for the parent. So the idea would be, or it's for any adult um, that have a specific sort of child in mind that they want to be able to raise with a love of reading. There's also a section at the end of the book that covers difficult topics and books that you can pick up in your local bookshop that will help you know, that child understand difficult topics, you know, things that they would be going through in the world, such as, you know, uh, the breakup of families, bereavement, um, all sorts of different types of families, you know, so adoption, all that kind of stuff. I want anyone who 
is trying to interact with their child on a level that includes books or could include books to pick mm. up this this book and, and understand. Now, you released this in advance of uh, Irish Book Week, which is in October, and you're very involved in that too. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I was I was approached um, in my so my day job I work for for Penguin Random House and sales and they approached us about um, sort of getting involved and I sneakily went to the side and I said I actually have a book as well uh, so if I could be involved I would absolutely love that because my previous occupation was as a children's bookseller for years and knowing the and understanding the importance of an independent bookshop. Uh, or even just any bookshop, the ability to walk in and browse shelves is so important, and especially uh, in the times we're at, supporting your local uh, bookshops and your local businesses is so important. Did I hear you tell a story on another radio programme about parents coming in with a child looking for books, and you say, okay, mum and dad, you go over there. (laughs) Yeah, and that's something that I encourage, because at the end of the day, as much as we want to be actively involved in every second of our children's lives, they don't really want that in return. And so sometimes kids can be a little bit embarrassed or a little bit unsure of themselves. And having mum and dad there over their shoulder going, all right, now, Jimmy, you know, tell the nice lady what you want. They just, you know, they need that little bit of distance to say, you know what, have you got any books on Fortnite? Um, and then the parents sort of can't be there to say, I uh, would you not pick up Ulysses or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's so important to give child, a child the autonomy, you know, their own decision in picking books, because then they have more of a connection to it. It's their book rather than this is what mum and dad want me to read. Yeah. All right. Listen, Lorraine, uh, good luck with the book and good luck with Irish Book Week when it comes up. And there is no greater gift. I'll say it again. There is no greater gift you can give a child than to hand them a book and Teach them the joy of reading. That's Lorraine Levis. Her book is called Once Upon a Reader. Aimed at the parents to get the children reading. On the COVID test. Hi, PJ. I was listening to the start of the show this morning about COVID testing for the bonds. Just wondering if anyone has mentioned this. The matter private is charging 270... What? 2.75 for the same test. 275 euros for the same test. Kind of guys, Fiona. I'm assuming that that is covered by your insurance at this stage. On the nuns in West Cork, the council should apply the rules to all people equally. I have no problem with action being taken against the nuns if similar action is taken against people in similar circumstances with similar outcomes. Is that the case, though? And there are priests in Rena Screena, yeah, where Donovan Rossa was born. They say the Latin Mass there, and there's quite a few people. Uh, and the nuns go to that Mass every Sunday. That's one of the big attractions for them in the area. Yeah, we, we know about the Mass in Rena Screener. There's actually supposed to be a Mass, a Latin Mass taking place down near the lock on a Sunday. Now, that came up on the show a few weeks ago when we were talking about that group in Rena Screener. Uh, is, is, is there a, a Latin Mass down near the lock of a Sunday? It'd be interesting to know that. Purely for pig iron. I'm not exactly planning to go or anything. 1850-715-996. That's it. The programme today edited by Deirdre Shortley, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you in the morning, just after nine. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colours. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.